Hey everybody, it is Watar, and this week we do war. And that is another way of saying we're gonna struggle to figure out is there a difference between old world and new world war? But first, the gentle idlings of Greg Gilbertson, who's also playing with Joe Pug on this, I think, if you guys know who Joe Pug is. He is also on here. And if I'm wrong about that, Greg will write me. But I do believe Joe Pug played on this. On this music that introduces our show. Right now, what? Look, how did I get to war? Well, first of all, I don't know, struggle. It's a thing. Uh, I'm struggling lately on the internet because I seem to be, uh, every time I click on something, I'm directed toward more information about the Ukraine war on YouTube and wherever. It's very weird. I, I see it all the time. And I'm not lying to tell you that just this minute when I was getting on here, as I was checking to see who had signed up for our dinners tonight at KP Restaurant, plug, plug, here in Greenville, the there was a banner at our wix.com that said, pay for, come and help support Ukraine. It actually said, let's make an impact together and support the people of Ukraine. But this was at just some random C, like, like, website where we take reservations for a restaurant but i wasn't like mad about it but as i was about to shoot this that happened and Zelensky keeps popping up everywhere right and i i'm looking up jazz music new york city and then Zelensky. what like how does that work i blame my daughter's instagram for that somehow it's weird I don't understand how it works, but I don't remember ever being directed. Were any of you directed to the ethnic cleansing of Tigrayans in northern Ethiopia during the civil war there, which is barely ended, if it has at all? Did you get a lot of invites to assist the Tigrayans living in northern Ethiopia whose churches were under attack? I don't. If you don't know who Tigrinians are, my guess is you don't feel bad about it, but you should feel bad, apparently, if you don't know what Crimean is. You should know about the Crimean. So feel very bad about that if you don't know about that. Yeah, so Ukraine's a war. It's a thing. Our most beloved people at our restaurant are Ukrainians. I care deeply about this. I'm talking about algorithms. And how they work. And how war works. So total war. Total war. That is a thing that we're going to investigate during this episodic series on war, old world and new. And so Ukraine got me thinking about war, which got me thinking about total war. And as a history teacher and professor in my past, I realized war is a thing. I know a little bit about it. Is there a new world understanding of war? And guess what? There is. And we're going to investigate it by looking at total war, which I think is exactly what we need to look at. So first, you should know something. It's important that you know something. 
Oh, and actually, before I start on what you should know about war, how is everybody doing? Isn't it good to be alive? Let's just let that out there. It's good. It's good to have breath. As I don't know, debilitating as this world can be, it's so good to have breath. It's a blessing. It's a spirit of holiness running through us and through plants and animals and everyone. So I don't know. I wanted to say that. Two is I would say, how great is it that I finally figured out how to show the signs behind? Look, guys, I just a two second thing. We have a studio. Some people like our studio. We've been getting a lot of positive comments, but they want to know what the heck are those things behind you? We'll do we're not going to do them all right now. I don't have time. But Mr. Who You. Ha. And if you can see it, the voice of Japan number four. These are lights that we made to memorialize and honor various developing world trucks, cars, and buses that we've taken in First Things Foundation. As you know, if you've ever traveled to such places, the driver will usually paint his truck or car a certain color and then put some sort of declaration on the car. These are two that we actually experienced. Mr. Who You, question mark, my favorite, and Voice of Japan number four. No one knows what they mean. And that's the point. I love these things. This is just a guy driving his car with Voice of Japan number four on a giant placard just above the driver's seat for everyone to see. That's how you knew his bus. Mr. Who You, this is existential. This is things you find when we do work at First Things Foundation. And this is also a podcast about war. So let's get back to it. So you should know something. People killing people, that's a thing in history. People killing people and calling it war, that's a thing. People killing people like in all kinds of yucky and awful ways. That's a thing. But mostly organized violence in the name of something bigger. Well, that's a thing. And that's always existed. And this podcast is not an attempt to make old world warriors, old world killers, like your sweet cuddly buddies. I'm not doing that. Okay. I'm not trying to make new world warriors into evil mongers of Nihil. Not trying to do that. Not at all. But is there a difference in how old and new world warriors approach war? You bet there is. And here it is in a nutshell. New world light people fight rational wars called total Old world, dark age people fight passionate wars called divine. I think you can take that to the bank. So let's dive in. What's a total war? So World War I is often referred to as the first total war. It's a very modern term. It's a modern way of thinking about war. People at the time in 1917, 1914, they used this term. France's Prime Minister, Georges Clemenceau, 
he declared, we present ourselves in the single aim of total warfare. My foreign policy. This is him. That's why I have this cool accent. If you hear the accent, you know I'm quoting, which it's how cool is that? I've said it before. This is free. And yet, I mean, you have Shakespearean, Shakespearean type acting happening for free on your phone right now. We present ourselves in a single aim of total warfare. My foreign policy and my home policy are the same. At home, I wage war. Abroad, I wage war. I shall go on waging war. Okay. Monsieur Clemenceau. Kind of aggressive for a French guy. But they were in a war, so you can figure it out. I mean, he's like, war all around, total war. But I don't think total war theory is just a French thing. I think most people associate the earliest theories of total war, which again, I'm going to equate with something modern war, is coming from a German guy. I know. Poor Germans. Yeah, I think the first theorist was a German. He was a military theorist named General Karl von Clausewitz. And he wrote maybe one of the most famous books on war, entitled Cleverly... On war. It's from 1832. He writes about things that a hundred years later people would call total war. He used the term absolute war. Right. And basically, he says the first example of total war, absolute war, is probably the French Revolution. Wait a minute. The French. Wait a minute. The French? Yes. The German Clausewitz is going to say that the French in the in the French Revolution did this thing called create a type of epistemology, a thought process about war, and that Napoleon Bonaparte perfected it. So who knew? The French are warmongers. One thing for sure. Total War has a lot of modern legs. It got around. It moved around the theory. Our bigwigs in the United States. Back here, Abraham Lincoln in the 1800s, the 19th century. Abraham Lincoln, his main guy, General Tecumseh Sherman. He commanded the Union's army in its march through the South. General Sherman, yeah, he was all about Total War. And he literally said so in a letter to General Halleck a very key player in the Civil War, Sherman wrote these words. Every member of the nation is bound by natural and constitutional law to maintain and defend the government against all its opposers, whomsoever. Unquote. Hmm. So something about you and I are bound by natural law to fight a brother or sister who won't stand up for the government. That's pretty total. Well, let's put it this way. It's getting into everybody's business at that point. And he feels pretty okay about it. Sherman goes on. If they fail, if you fail, if I fail, if anyone fails to stand up for the government, they are derelict and can be punished and deprived of all advantages 
arising from the labors of those who do, including life and liberty. What? What? You're derelict and can be subject to death if you don't stand up and fight for your government. Yes, because war is total. Kill a brother or you might get killed. For sure, though, we're going to burn some stuff down that you own if you don't stand up and fight. Because the government represents people and the people are the government. So it's total war. You feel it coming on. right? That's the 1860s. But if you're a smart person, you're saying something like, yeah, but come on, man. Didn't the kings of old, didn't they like rape and pillage? Come on. What about the Mongols? It feels like the Mongols did stuff totally, like totally bad. Right? What about Braveheart? I can hear you out there. What about Braveheart? Didn't all those guys kill pretty women for no reason? <clears throat> Weren't they just making war the answer to all the questions? Don't worry, I'm getting there. That's a good thing to ask. You should have those questions about Braveheart on your heart. We'll get there. But for right now, total war and written theories, people, a lot of people wrote about this in the military history. And the written theories in the 1800s, they end up, they end up becoming incarnations and manifestations in the 1900s in the first world war and in the second so here's what total war is according to the theorists many of this coming directly from klaus witz himself but others tacked on first total war is characterized by mobilization i'll say it slower mobilization Becoming mobile. What becomes mobile? Humans. They move about. Troops, weapons, resources. Everything is mobilized. Everything gets moved into place so that everything gets pushed toward the war effort. In terms of men, the Europeans mobilized, moved from their homes or jobs, 65 million men between 1914 and 1918. Ah, just 65 million. So right now, the United States has 170,000 active mobilized members. Okay, 170,000. So if we were to do what happened in World War I, we would just need to mobilize 64,830,000 more people. <laughs> 64 million more people than they did in 1914. Yeah. Okay. Mobilization. That's a thing in total war. Everything gets mobilized. Second, the theorists of total war, a modern war theory, say blurring the roles of soldiers and civilians is key to understanding what total war is. So in nine, in World War One, 9.7 million soldiers died. 9.7 million soldiers died in World War One. In World War One, 10 million civilians died. Like a one-to-one. -one. Shoot a soldier, you know. Shoot a maiden. Just for reference, in Ukraine right now, the U.S. reports, the United States government reports that 42,000 civilians have been killed, while 22,000 Ukrainian soldiers have been killed. Hmm. Double. 
Now I'll say this, if you don't believe those numbers, I wouldn't either. Because the UN, another reporting agency that you might have some issues with, but whatever, the UN says the total amount of civilians killed in Ukraine is 10,000, not 42,000 as reported by the American government. Uh, so just in terms of reporting uh, veracity, I'm just giving you some context. Either way, though, there does seem to be some blurring of the roles. The third characteristic of a total war is rejection of a compromise peace. Or, if you really want to put it as Clausewitz did, the rejection of any outcome except for the complete destruction of the enemy. And the fourth characterization, as per the theorists of total war, the final part is total control of society. I didn't write that. I just, I probably cut and pasted that from Clausewitz's actual book. So, like, war doesn't have to be shooting people and stuff, apparently. War can be for the hearts and minds. Oh, you've heard this before. For the hearts and minds, and as it turns out, the electronic wallets of human beings as well. And the war can go on and on and on forever because it's total. Yeah. Total war theory, it says this. Again, not making it up. Right now, I have a full-time job as the director of First Things Foundation. I am not at a library on a regular basis. I'm doing my best to do this while also doing my job. But man, my overseas work really informs me about this. Because I would argue it would be really hard, say, in Sierra Leone to have total war because there's not enough societal control, which we can get into. So if World War I fits all of these criteria, in fact, you see that after World War I, Germany and Russia, if World War I was such a war, you'll see that Germany and Russia almost never left war, war mode. They're both sort of automated if you look at the Nazi and communist movement. They both double down on total control of society and politics. Nazis, you've kind of heard of them. Commies, you've heard of them. Total war. It's just materialists seeing the world for actually what the evolutionary theorists say it is. A giant battle for existence. I mean, survival of the fittest probably means something like the war doesn't end until you die. What do you, you only have to be the fittest for a while? Like survival of the fittest during your 20s. That's not how evolution is thought of. Materialists, modernists, they stretch out war as basically it's the playing board of life. But I digress. Actually, I'm just going to stop right there. I think we've done enough to set up this concept of total war. When we come back, we'll look at how the old world understand, theoretically and in practice, how they understood war. Now, it's very hard to lump everybody together, right? And as you know, that is sort of the shtick. But I do think it really serves an important purpose.
And we're going to look at the Mesopotamians next next time. And then we're going to do some, some clarifications on Islam, Orthodoxy, Judaism. But we're going to take a look at these things. We're old worlders doing something like seeing war differently. That's next time when we get together. And by the way, spoiler alert. Did they believe in total war? Yes, they did. But it wasn't total in the same way. All right. Peace from First Things Foundation land. I'm so thankful. There are so many good people. They're responding so well to, to what we're doing. Thank you for filling up the seats for our Art of Tamadar. Right now, there are no more seats left. People are calling up and getting on a waiting list. It's the best we can do right now. It's been amazing, amazing turnout and reaction to our Art of the Tamadar Hospitality as Medicine event happening down in the Keys. But come to our restaurant, check in with us, support our field workers. We love you. Peace out. Much love from First Things Foundation, www.first-things.org. Greg, play us out, buddy. Not Monday.